Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav Podcast. I am Jason. And I am John, and this is the season, well, it's kind of the season finale of the Mav Podcast. Uh, I think we'll be back uh, next week to talk about our picks for the NCAA tournament once uh, once the selection show has happened and once those uh, teams have been announced. But uh, until then, we're talking about the end of UNO's season, which uh, which concluded in the NCHC playoffs in Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, taking on the Western Michigan Broncos. What are your thoughts? I really think that we played pretty good hockey. You know, I think that we've we've had this conversation the entire season about them putting together a full 60-minute hockey game. And they failed to do that yet again. And then that's really what it came down to. You know, in both games, I thought the majority of the game, we controlled play, we were the better team. And for, you know, a 10 to 15-minute stretch, we let off the gas. We let up and we... We let them dictate the tempo and the play style, and it came back to bite us both nights. I would agree with that. I think um, you look at that game, and we held leads in both of those games, and we just weren't able to close. And, uh, you know, looking at the Saturday night game in particular, we had a three-to-one lead, and I actually felt pretty good. Even though a two-goal lead is considered to be the most dangerous lead in hockey, problem was the latter half of the second period on Saturday night, things kind of fell apart for UNO. And Western Michigan scored three unanswered goals to take the lead four to three. And then uh, in the third period, we did get the equalizing goal. Uh, It was just kind of one of those errant things where uh, Western Michigan goaltender uh, Brandon Bussy slipped and fell down and Jack Randall picked up the puck and uh, you could see the momentum turn. Ultimately, we lost uh, in sudden death overtime. It, it was it was definitely an interesting series. Like you said, there were stretches in both of those games where we really played solid hockey and I thought we controlled the pace and controlled the tempo. But it was one of those deals where we just don't have that intangible thing that it took to just put this team away this weekend. Yeah, uh, like I said, they, they just kind of let off the gas. Like you were motoring along and you just, you let them catch up. And, you know, my question to you, John, is what you think is, you know, we've talked a little bit about this off podcast, but, you know, do you attribute that to a deficiency in coaching? Is it uh, a culture thing? Or do you think that it's just, it's the talent of the players and, you do the best with what you have. You know, it's one of those things that's really hard to ascertain just looking from the outside in. I, I don't I don't know what it is. I, I do wonder if it's the philosophy of the team. You know, you and I have been praising the team all season long. Last week on the podcast, I said that I thought top to bottom, this team might actually be more talented than the Frozen Four team back in the 2014-2015 season. I did think When we got that three to one lead on Saturday night that we played a little bit tentatively the rest of the way, I thought that it felt like we were kind of playing not to lose at that point, as opposed to trying to go full throttle. They have a tendency to get a little complacent. And I would equate the same thing as the the reason why we lost so many games against Colorado College in Miami, I think is the same reason. And it's the same thing that we saw when we got up two goals against Western Michigan. And it's that just that raw complacency of like, okay, we've got this, you know, we can do this. We're, we're sitting in a good position instead of, you know, I, I had one coach that said, always plays, no matter what the score is, always play like you're losing by a goal. Always have that kind of 
that drive. And it seems like we play like we're a like we're a better team and we can just kind of turn it on, right? And I think it's it's proven this season. We can't. Like we can get lucky sometimes, but you know, we're just not a dominant force. So when we get a two-goal lead, we need to just, you know, put the foot down and keep going at it. And, you know, maybe if you get up by 10, you're, I'll allow you to, like, hang back. But until that point, like, it should be full steam ahead. It should be our game our way all time. And, and it's just not. And, you know, it sucks. And I was watching NHL games this weekend. Uh, and it was, you know, it was interesting watching those because – obviously the talent level's different, right? But even on those teams, like there's a few guys in the league that just can take, you can tell that they take a team and just say, I don't care what you're dealing with, we're doing this. And it's a different team, you know? Like they just, they just outright dominate in that league. And we don't have that player. I don't, I don't know that we've, I don't think, UNO has ever had that kind of player that was just like, I can just bring you all with me at any point and say, this is the way we're going to play. And everyone follows. That's a recruiting thing for me. Like that's, if you need that, you got to go out and find that and, and convince yourself, like figure out how it is that you convince that kid to come, to come play for us. But we need that. We need a guy that's just, can take the game on his shoulders and just drive, you know, drive it home for us. Otherwise it's got to be a coaching thing. You've got to find a way to always keep these guys motivated because they just weren't. And it yeah. turns quickly momentum. You said you're right. Like that swings real quick. And that's why two goal leads are dangerous. Cause you think, well, we let in one, it's not going to be a big deal. And suddenly you're, you know, you go from up by two to down by one. There were some guys early in the program, guys like Greg Zanin and Jeff Hogan, who had fruitful careers uh, in the NHL and in the AHL. And both of those were the kind of guys, like you mentioned, who they could kind of take the team on their shoulder. They were, they were skilled players, but they were also emotional leaders. And we really haven't had that. We've got a lot of, uh, like a lot of really nice, good, smart players that I think have good, solid hockey IQ, but you don't have that emotional spark. And I'm going to throw this out there because we both noticed that Joey Abate was not in the lineup on Friday or Saturday night. Now, he can be a wild card in the game. Uh, a few weeks ago, and I think it might have been when we were playing in Grand Forks uh, against North Dakota, you had picked him as your player of the week on the podcast because of that intangible energy that he brings to you in the game. And I would imagine that he wasn't played at Western Michigan because they were worried about taking penalties against Western Michigan because Western Michigan has a very good power play unit. It totally makes sense from a strategic point of view, but to be perfectly honest with you, going into this series on the road at Kalamazoo, knowing you're not going to get an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament, knowing you need to win four games. You need to win two in Kalamazoo and two in St. Paul at the NCHC Frozen Faceoff to make the NCAA tournament with the auto bid. It's a long shot that you're going to be able to go on the road and win four games like that. And so I almost would have had him in the lineup just because I know that he's the kind of guy who we've gotten under Western Michigan's skin. Now, maybe he would have drawn penalties. Maybe we would have had to kill off five-minute majors. I was kind of disappointed not to see him because I think sometimes you need those guys that provide energy, that provide a spark, 
that get the team fired up, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, totally. And I think the times that I've picked Abate as the player of the weekend, uh, I don't remember. You might you might remember if you've picked him or not. I don't remember. But I and I would think that you would agree with this. The times that you picked him are probably the same reasons that I picked him, which is he gives you that that aggressiveness and that physicality and that he's that force that the team has to be aware of, right? Because he's going to go to the dirty areas. He's going to play the grind game that that we need. Too often than not, that ends up hurting us because he ends up on the bad side of that. You know, it's just a, a, you put yourself in a poor position, you took a penalty and you end up with a five-minute major. Or you didn't need to be reaching and you did and we're killing off another penalty, you know. Or you took it just one step too far. He rides that line. We talked about this. And, and sometimes he just tips over to the wrong side of it. And if he can find a way to not fall to that side and, and take that out, like that risk out of his game, uh, he could be a, a real good spark for, for the team. I think of uh, Luke Nogard was kind of, I've compared the two of them, you know, a few times because, you know, raw talent, like, you know, Ward and Primo and, we are more talent. I, I would argue more talented players, and I don't know what he would say, but you know, I would expect he would disagree with me. Um, but I, I would say that they're more talented players. But his game is just so needed for us, and it's such an asset. It's just a shame that it does hurt us so much. Like I said, he's a wild card uh, when he's playing. And so I'm sure that the coaches uh, trying to have a conservative game plan going into Western Michigan uh, didn't didn't want to roll the dice on that. Us being fans who uh, are on the outside looking in, I would have loved to have rolled the dice on that just because against a team like Western, knowing the composition of their roster and the way that they play, I would have loved to see in there just getting under the skin of those Western Michigan players. But, you know, UNO was close in both games. Uh, so I think the strategy overall worked pretty well. We just, we came up short and ultimately that ended our season, uh, which was a season that had uh, a lot of interesting kind of ups and downs during the season. We obviously finished strong in the regular season, winning four of our last six at home. So we'll have to, you know, get back at it next season. But we've got to do our players of the week. I uh, I went first last week. I stole Tyler Weiss from you, and you were wearing your Tyler Weiss Leap for a Cure jersey. So my apologies for that. But this week, I'll let you go first, Jason. I think there's there's a number of guys that had really really good good series, and I don't know. Like I struggle I struggle a lot with who to pick. I think you know partly for the reason that we talked about Abate and and what he brings to the team from. Uh, an emotional leadership standpoint, I'm going to pick Conley. You know, he's our captain. I really felt that, you know, he was a solid force, which is what we've talked about him being, you know, consistently uh, the same kind of player, the same kind of game gives you hundred percent every night. Uh, and, you know, being a senior and, and on his way out, you know, we wish him the best and I'll, uh, I'll tribute him by, making him my final uh, player of the weekend, I guess. Uh, I went back and forth between Isaiah Seville, who I thought had a good performance and kept us in both of those games. 
Uh, the stats might not show it. You know, uh, Western Michigan did put up goals. I thought he was solid, though, uh, both nights. But I'm going to go with one of the younger guys. I'm going to go with Matt Miller, uh, one of my favorite players on this roster. He had a goal and an assist on the weekend. And uh, um, he was originally a Michigan State uh, recruits. And uh, ultimately, that ended up falling through and he ended up coming to UNO. And uh, I'm glad he's here. So I got to go with one of the guys who will be back next year. And I'm going to go with Matt Miller because I thought he had a good weekend all around. Uh, and I was happy to see that. Turning to next season in our shootout segments, Jordan McAlpine, uh, in his Saturday night article, had uh, a little tidbit that a lot of fans didn't pick up on, but Bridget picked up on this and uh, she uh, texted it to the group thread this morning. Omaha's non-conference slate next season will include trips to Lake Superior State and Long Island University, two teams that we played at Baxter Arena this season. Alaska will come to Omaha this year. Uh, it doesn't look like we have a trip to Fairbanks this year. St. Lawrence will come to Baxter Arena next season. And then it's believed that the other team in our non-conference slate will be Niagara University, a team we played quite a bit in the early years of the UNO hockey program, but we haven't seen for a while. So Jordan had that uh, in his article. That is our non-conference slate this season. I know you and I talked about what we, uh, what we consider to be a relatively weak non-conference schedule this season. What do you think, Jason? No Big Ten teams in that lineup? No Hockey East teams in that lineup? You know, I really wonder why with that. You know, we I think we got, we clearly got bit this year in the pairwise with not having quality wins on our schedule. And I know that we're going to get, you know, quality games come NCHC play, but I just, I like, I look at it going just, they're not teams I'm like dying to see, right? Even if they weren't having a good season, Boston coming to Denver was always a thing, right? Because Boston, both teams have a history and they have, a, you know, championships and, you know, it's just people want to see you up against that. It's like, no one goes, oh yeah, I want to see us against St. Lawrence, right? So from a, going back to our conversation before about putting fans in the stands and, and filling seats at Baxter and stuff like I don't think you get that when you say hey we're playing this team right like I think you've got to bring in even if you brought in like Providence right and said hey let's do a let's do a reciprocating agreement with Providence right why frozen four and like we were against them they beat us and they, you know, there's a chance to say redemption put some motivation behind the guys you know it they may not be a a great team that year i don't know but they're gonna be a solid team right like they're on an entirely different level than st lawrence and long island so you know i just i just wonder like what the decision making process is and who's who's picking these types of things because i think they're missing opportunities to to increase our odds of getting into the playoffs and i think they're missing opportunities to get fans excited about the team and the game because of who we're playing up against. Yeah, I'll agree. I, I ask myself the same questions regarding schedule. And I, I, you and I try to avoid conspiracy theories as much as possible. I would say this, if, and I want to emphasize the word if, there's strategizing going on here. And it's like they looked at some of the players who would be leaving a few years ago and looked at the fact that they would have a young roster. I'm concerned that the thought was, 
well, we're going to have a young roster, inexperienced roster. So let's try to get games in the non-conference slate that are going to be, you know, easier to swallow early on for a young, inexperienced team, right? So that we can rack up more wins than we might rack up if we're playing Michigan, Minnesota State, Mankato. Um, yeah, give them some confidence to start the season. Okay, I see where you're going. Right. The problem that I have with that, and this was a problem I had with it this season, is we went 10-2 and two in our non-conference slate this season. And we got 21 wins, which is tied for the second most wins in a season in the history of UNO hockey. And I'm just concerned that it's like, well, you know, while we're rebuilding the team, while we're retooling here, we're going to schedule weaker opponents. But down the road... We'll schedule stronger opponents again. My concern is this. My concern is that, you know, you can kind of get into the mindset of, well, you know, it's kind of nice to play those weaker teams. We can rack up some non-conference wins, and then we can hope that the strength of the NCHC, you know, lifts us up. So we're high enough in the pairwise that we can get an at-large bid. I would just say, and you, you alluded to this uh, a few moments ago, as a fan, we're paying when we buy season tickets, we want to see UNO play the best teams available, not just in NCHC play, but in NCAA play as well. If the concern, and again, I emphasize if, if the concern is trying to rack up enough wins, you know, pad the wins every season by having a weaker non-conference schedule, then we might as well just leave the NCHC and join a conference like the CCHA, where we're more likely to get more wins during the season, right? I just, you know, Trev Alberts talked a lot about the student-athlete experience. That was his focus, and that was his emphasis. And you and I being fans, we talk a lot about the fan experience. And so I hope Adrian Dowell, now that he's at the helm of UNO Athletics, will focus a bit on the fan experience, because fans just don't get excited about playing those teams. The teams that Jordan had that are presumably on the slate for next season had a combined record of 64, 98, and 16 this season. I want to play the best teams. And again, I know sometimes you're going to have to play the independents like your Long Islands, your Arizona States, et cetera. But I just, I don't want them to be wimping out for the sake of, you know, racking up more wins in non-conference play. I mean, to your point, that's kind of what, for a long, long time, that's what Minnesota State Mankato was. And it's the perennial, like, anyone who's been around college hockey knows that picking them to get an NCAA tournament win is a very dangerous thing. Because they're always highly ranked because they get a lot of wins and they usually can, can perform well in a two-game series against a team when they go into Michigan or Minnesota or something like that, right? The problem is, is that the majority of their season spent in their conference and they've never really been in a conference that's been top tier. And the argument has always been that what ends up happening is, is that when you're in a do or die one game scenario against a nationally powerhouse team, you know, say North Dakota or something, right? Like they're not prepared. And we rely to your point heavily on the teams in the NCHC preparing us for postseason play. But I don't think it needs to be all or nothing. Like I can see the strategy that you're mentioning playing out well of like, you know, the first few games in the season, let's get some of these independents, let's get some of these Atlantic teams or something come in, you know, have 
two, maybe three of our series against them, right? But have a big name, have a, you know, have a nationally recognized program come in so that we get the best of both worlds. Because you and I are hockey fans, I think, I would say, in that we can find joy in seeing our team lose against a, you know, if Boston came in as the number one team ranked in the country and, you know, we lost by a goal or something, like, I'd be sad that we lost, but at the same point in time, like, I would have had a good time because, you know, it was a good team, right? I don't get excited about, you know, beating these Atlantic hockey teams six to one or something, right? And so it's like, bring someone in, even if we lose, your regular fans, they can get their wins, right? Like everyone wants to see your team win. So you bring in a few of these, you know, and then you say, hey, maybe we split against a, you know, we bring in a Boston, Boston College, we bring in Providence or something like that. You know, we're both marketing people. So my my head's going around like the, our Frozen Four rematch or something like that, or, you know, Michigan and play the old UNO Michigan highlights and stuff and just try to give, give you something Thing that you can sell uh, to get people to the arena and I just don't know how I I just would struggle to sell Niagara coming to town yeah I completely agree and, and like you mentioned I don't take a whole lot of satisfaction in what I consider to be hollow victories yes you have to play the games and there are no guarantees whether you'll win but uh, I, I go with that long used adage uh, that sports fans uh, you know bandy about which is you know if you want to be the best you got to beat the best and mm-hmm. I love playing the better programs even if we lose I just I know it's better for the team especially when you're dealing with a team that has young recruits I prefer that baptism by fire in October and early November because I think it prepares you better for conference play than playing a bunch of sub 500 teams you know every team that's on the schedule for next season finished 500 or below the only team that finished 500 was lake superior state the rest of those teams finished well below 500 on the season i want to play the best teams and i like to have a big 10 team on the slate every season just because i know that those teams are on par with the competition that we'll be playing in the nchc so so I like to see us play the best teams. I always have since uh, since this program started. And I know in the early years of this program, the very first season, for example, UNO didn't schedule any Division three type opponents. They could have done that. I remember one of the early series in the fall of 1997, UNO had Denver and UNO got a sweep of Denver. And yes, Denver was down in 1997, but man, the fans were so excited. A packed house at the Civic Auditorium both nights, getting a sweep over a perennial powerhouse like that was absolutely fantastic so i i don't want them to be wimping out i'm i'm not saying that they are but if that's the case if if it's if there's strategizing going on here i'm just going to say it as a fan please i think it's a i think it's a disservice to play those weaker opponents both for the fans program etc schedule the best teams available schedule the best teams possible i think in the long run it will make uno a better program the nchc frozen face-off set to take place uh this week friday and saturday in st paul minnesota uh the last time this was held uh in st paul bridget and i actually won tickets from uno uh we went up for that in 2019 it was a it was a great weekend uno wasn't there but we had a lot of fun we hung out with some other uno fans that were there 
we uh, hung out at Mall of America and went to Ikea and did all those kind of fun things that you do in the Minneapolis St. Paul area when you go up there for an event. And this weekend, we're not going up. Uh, sadly, if UNO had made it, we were planning to, but, uh, but uh, it's not in the cards this year for us to go up there. But we've got some intriguing matchups going on. We've got, uh, we've got DU taking on Minnesota Duluth. And we've got North Dakota taking on Western Michigan. I think this is a very interesting slate of games. I'm going to let you start and give me your impressions uh, and your predictions for this weekend for the NCHC Frozen Faceoff. I think these are some of the better matchups because the teams play very similar styles. The Western Michigan Duluth, those are two, or the Western Michigan and North Dakota, those are two of the teams that, you know, are, are typically some of the more physical teams and, you know, in the league, uh, highly talented team in North Dakota. Uh, I don't know. Like I have a hard time because like what I think is going to happen and what I want to happen are two different things with both of these series. I want Western Michigan to get through partly because they beat us and I just feel better if, you know, the team that wins the whole thing is the team we lost to and just sours a little less in my mouth that way. But uh, I think North Dakota comes away with that series. Duluth and Denver are the kind of the same thing. They're, they're two teams that play a very similar structure and a very similar game. So it's going to come down to execution. Uh, I want Denver to win. Just I was a Denver fan. I lived in Denver, so I have a connection there. Uh, they've lost to Duluth before, so a little revenge would be nice. But unfortunately, I think Duluth is a little bit more hungry with this, and I think they're going to be a little more motivated to perform well. I didn't think that their games against Cara, uh, against uh, St. Cloud State were their best efforts, and I think that they're going to want to come out and show people that they can play a more efficient brand of hockey than they played last weekend. And so uh, if you're asking me what I think, I think it's going to be North Dakota and Duluth. And who do you have winning that game? I think North Dakota wins that game. Okay. Okay. I don't know. They they just seem like they're playing good hockey right now, and they always seem to do well when they feel a little bit slighted. And I think some of the fans and stuff, and probably some of the players too, feel a little slighted that they shared the Penrose with uh, Denver, and they ended up in the two C because of the tiebreaker. So uh, I would say that might just give them the edge they need to get over Duluth. But it would not shock me if Duluth wins the NCC again. I mean, done yeah. it before this almost the same way the same route too so uh who knows yeah i i hear you on that and uh, you're absolutely right uh i first of all let me just say i think your predictions could be spot on i i agree with everything you said there for the sake of discussion i'm going to be a little bit different um i do think that minnesota duluth will beat denver and mainly because Duluth has a little bit more to play for at this point. We know that uh, we know that all four of these teams are going to make uh, the field of 16 for the NCAA tournament, but Denver knows that they're going to be hosting uh, that regional in Loveland, Colorado this year. So they know that they're going to be the host school there close to home Duluth where they're at right now, they're playing uh, for positioning in the NCAA tournament. I think that their future is a little bit uncertain 
as to where they might go. And so for that reason, I would say that I think they have a little bit more motivation. Their record isn't as strong as Denver and they'll have a lot of fans in the arena. So I think that that will uh, benefit them. But I think that's a really intriguing matchup. And then in the North Dakota, Western Michigan, I think everything you said about North Dakota is correct. They're playing great hockey right now. A lot of young players on that team, but they've, they've really performed well the past few weeks, including the series against us uh, in Omaha. So Normally, I would pick North Dakota to win that game, but uh, I'm going to go with Western Michigan. You know, they're one of the outlier teams in the conference. They're not in that kind of Minnesota, North Dakota hub. They have to travel long distances to play hockey. Uh, I think they might take advantage of the opportunity. They have a lot of firepower. They've got a good goaltender, and uh, I'm going to pick them to beat North Dakota And then I think that championship game with Duluth and Western Michigan is going to be really interesting to me. That's a flip of a coin. I think I'm going to go with the, uh, with the geographically closer team. And I'm going to go with Minnesota Duluth uh, winning that game and, uh, and uh, getting the auto bid from the conference, not that they need it, but uh, I, it should be an interesting weekend up there in St. Paul. So I'm envious of all the people that are going to go. And uh, I wish that uh, UNO would make it up there someday. They are the only team in the conference that hasn't made it, and we're two and fifteen in the NCHC playoffs uh, since the conference started play back in 2013. So, uh, so hopefully, one day we'll get a home playoff series again, and we can go uh, enjoy and watch our team in a neutral site conference final. Hopefully, sooner rather than later. Uh, yeah, let's 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 hope that happens sooner rather than later. So. That's all we got for today. Uh, Jason and I uh, will be back with our NCAA tournament picks next week. But until then, we'll just sign off with Go Mavs. Go Mavs. 